Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed in this season. You're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Brother Landon is here. He's going to be preaching this morning, which I'm very excited about. Uh, He's my young, okay. Yeah, I think that feels about appropriate for probably what he's going to do, that kind of Half golf applause. That feels about right. Uh, my brother's a pastor at uh, the pastor at Mission Church in Gilbert, Arizona, and uh, he's one of my best friends in the world. And he's prayed for this church every day since it, be- since it began. So I'm super thrilled that he's here. I hope you'll welcome him and listen in, and uh, we'll try to keep all the nonsense to a minimum so he can minister to us. Uh, my name is uh, Landon. I am Luke's little brother, and I'm here. I'm very excited to be with you. This morning, I love what God is doing in this church. I believe in what God is doing in this church. I've worked for a lot of different people in ministries and churches I've worked for. I've never worked for someone as incredible as my brother. And so you have a wonderful pastor and um, uh, you, you really do. And he's not really that good at being a person, but he's really good really good at being a pastor. Um, I can tell you honestly that I I can't think of a better place to uh, put your resources than in this place with that person because Luke multiplies everything that is given to him. So when my wife and I have extra resources, we need somewhere to give. We give here. Uh, all the way from Arizona, because I believe so much in what God is doing, specifically through Luke, um, even though he probably wouldn't say the same about me. Um, <laughs> if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Open up to Luke chapter 11. Go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 11. In Bible college, they tell you to say the name of the passage three times. That's what they tell you in Bible college. Say it three times. So I'll say it one more time. Luke chapter 11. Um, often, uh, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. Often in a sermon about prayer, someone would say something like, you know, what is something you want to start praying about? I want to ask you the opposite question this morning. What is something that you have stopped praying about? Is there something that was on your heart in the past and you were praying about it, there was a person that you wanted to see come to Christ, there was an attitude or a wound or a pain that you wanted to see God change, there was something and you were praying about it and then something happened and you stopped. I wonder what would happen if you did what Jesus says in this passage because Jesus is closer to the Father than anybody else who's ever lived, right? So if Jesus says, this is the way that prayer actually works, then that would be really important to you as a follower of Christ, right? You would want to know exactly what he was saying and exactly, oh my gosh, I'm seeing so many faces of people I love. I'm just overwhelmed. Um, You would want to know exactly what Jesus was saying because he's going to 
pop the hood, he's gonna open it up, and he's gonna say, this is the way prayer actually works, right? Like, kids are always wondering how the parents make the decisions, right? They always wanna be in the space. Kids always wanna know, can I have more candy? And they wanna be in it with mom and dad, or they wanna be with mom while the decision's being made, but they don't know how the decision is being made. They don't know how to get the thing that they want. Like, if my kids knew how late I would let them stay up if they were just quiet, but they don't know how the decision gets made, Jesus is telling you here in this passage, this is how we decide which prayers to answer and which prayers not to answer. How good is that? Um, let's look here in Luke chapter 11. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And the New Testament says that Jesus often went to quiet places to pray. In this circumstance, Jesus was praying and his disciples could hear him. What a beautiful thing to hear, wouldn't that be? I would love to hear Jesus pray. And when he finished, one of his disciples, verse one, said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. They're kind of trying to get Jesus to do something. They're like, John taught his disciples how to pray, Jesus. We've seen you walk on water. We've seen you open someone's eyes, but we've never had you teach us how to pray. John the Baptist, your cousin, he taught his people how to pray. Can you, can you do the same thing? And he said to them, when you pray, say. And what follows is typically called the Lord's Prayer, right? but it really shouldn't be called the Lord's Prayer because it isn't Jesus' prayer, it's our prayer. It should be called the prayer of the people because he's saying this is how to pray. And he says, Father, hallowed be your name. Um, Father, Jesus, uh, God, is the, God the Father is the only being who named himself. Did you ever pray or, or be in a prayer circle with somebody and hear somebody pray to God and call God Dad? <clears throat> yeah. I was, uh, I, I worked at a, a church in uh, Phoenix and I was like in a meeting or something and I asked one of my team members, I said, hey, uh, uh, can you pray for us really quick about that thing? And he was like, dear dad. And I was like, huh, huh. And I thought, that's kind of the worst. <laughs> Just kind of. And then I kept hearing him pray for a few years and I realized how wrong I was. In fact, in uh, the Old and New Testament, one of the names for God is Abba Father, which means dad. What a beautiful thing it is to be so close to someone that you're comfortable using a close name. And then it says, hallowed be your name. That just means holy. May your name be holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Jesus is teaching us to say things that we need to say to God. Give us our spiritual sustenance and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. If there was like a Calvinist theologian listening to Jesus' prayer, they'd be like, we don't have to ask God to forgive your sins. He already did that, Jesus. Uh, I thought that was gonna get like incredible laughter. Like when I prepped that joke, I was like, oh, this one, this'll be good. That was stunning, stunning silence. 
and lead us not into temptation. Again, some theologians would have a problem with that because they'd be like, well, of course, God doesn't lead you into temptation. But it actually says in Mark chapter 4 that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Why would God do something like that? Because he wanted to shape you, help you. He would want to give you a temptation in a place where you could defeat it so that he could help you, teach you, grow you, lead you, guide you. One interesting thing about this prayer, lead us not to temptation isn't even the most difficult theological part of this prayer. Actually, the most difficult theological part of this prayer is that in Matthew chapter 6, it records, quote, the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually different. Um, and so that's very confusing for a lot of people. Have you ever felt confused by the fact that there are different passages in the New Testament that quote Jesus slightly differently? Raise your hand if you've ever been confused by that. It's kind of different. Okay, I just want to help you overcome that really quick with a little, little segment called, Oh My Gosh, Let's Learn Some Theology. I think we have a slide for this to help you. Um, I, I, used to call it, I used to call it OMG, Let's Learn Some Theology, but Baptists get really upset about stuff like that because they're like, what does the G stand for, Pastor? You know, The psalmist said, Oh My God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but we're not allowed to say it. Um, no? <laughs> Did you guys not grow up Baptist? If so, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> like, I, I'm just so happy for you. Like, so why does the New Testament sometimes record uh, stories uh, with different words? So number one, it's uh, hyper-specific quotes versus general quotations. So sometimes um, one has the word and or the word but and the other doesn't. That one's pretty easy to understand. Number two, I think, is the thing that will help you the most understand this, which is that often they are written in different languages. Most uh, theologians and hermeneutic scholars believe that Matthew was written in Aramaic and Luke was written in Greek. And so if I was speaking and someone was translating what I was saying into Spanish and someone else was translating it into French and then both of those people translated it back into English, it wouldn't 100% match, but it would be truly what I said. Does that make sense? Also, Jesus spoke Aramaic, and so it was already translated into Greek by the time it was in the New Testament. Does that make sense? And then number three, there are different but similar events. So oftentimes, Jesus would do something more than once. Like, I've given this sermon that I'm giving right now three times at, at two other different places before I'm here. You know, So if they were recorded, they wouldn't be word for word the same. Someone in the future might say, those are the same event, but it actually wasn't the same event. It was just similar content that was delivered elsewhere. Did that help? Okay, well, as a reward for getting through a segment of theology, I've brought you some memes to show you <laughs> about theology. Here is the first one. Can we get that meme up there? This is a book I saw in the airport that said, um, where to find it in the Bible. I found it interesting that there was a picture of football on the cover. I've read the whole Bible. I did, there's no part about football in the Bible. That is a sport that was invented 100 years ago. There also was computers on there. And I found that, I just, Christians need to be mocked sometimes. Um, okay, let's go back to the text. Just kidding, here's another meme. Um, this one is Christians reading the Sermon on the Mount. Huh, I wonder who that's for. Um, one time Luke and I were leading a youth event and uh, there was this homeless guy on the street 
and we had all of these teenagers uh, in downtown Chicago, and a small group leader went and stood in front of the homeless person and was waving the students to walk around them. And I was like, huh, that's probably the least like Jesus thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Hey, wealthy suburban kids, don't think about this person who's desperately in need and hungry. Just walk back to your Chick-fil-A dinner. Um, okay, let's go back to the text. Just kidding. Here's a third meme. Um, this is the 90s Baptist Usher starter pack. So I, I've, I, I feel like, from what I said before, not all of you guys grew up with this kind of guy, but this guy was the worst. He's in every church, coast to coast, he has a staggering amount of authority for the fact that he's an unpaid volunteer. And if like a guest or like a drug addict or like a person with a hangover walks into church with like a coffee, he thinks that it is his job to make that person get rid of all of that stuff before they come into uh, God's house. And I think that that is lame. They also look at you very side-eyed if you have a hat on during prayer, which I've never understood because hats are awesome. Like, I feel like if you're wearing like a sick cowboy hat or something, and then you're praying and you take it off, God's probably like, ah, that hat was awesome. Just leave it on. That's great. That is a cool hat. Okay. Back to the text. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, Lend me three loaves. Do you see that in the text? Do you have the, the word of God in front of you this morning? Which of you who has a friend, first of all, Jesus, bold of you to assume I have any friends. Uh, second of all, who, who has a friend who will go to him at midnight? I'll tell you what, anybody who comes to my house at midnight uninvited is no friend of mine. Uh, will lend him three loaves. Uh, let me ask you this question. How can you lend a consumable item Hey, can I borrow some of your coffee? Okay, well, in what format are you going to give it back? Because I feel like it's a consumable item. Jesus is telling a sardonic, ironic story. It's very funny because he's making fun of how ridiculous this is. Hey, can I borrow some bread from you? Also, it's midnight. Who needs three loaves of bread? They didn't have toasters back then. What are you gonna go do? Sit in the dark and eat 60 slices of uncooked bread? If you're gonna do that, like what is wrong with you? Like honestly, just go to jail is where you should go. Just go to jail and when they say, why are you here? Say, because I was gonna eat 60 slices of uncooked bread at my house in the dark. They'll let you in. Um, Verse six, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Of course you don't. This guy is the worst. He has no plan. He's going to his friend and demanding loaves of bread in the middle of the night. Like, what a psycho. And verse seven, he will answer from within, don't bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. What is wrong with this guy? Have more beds. Like, what is this, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Like, have more beds or have people sleep on the floor. Like, what is wrong with you? And I cannot get up. Do you see that in your Bible? I cannot get up and give you anything. Oh, you can't? You can't get up. 
So you are, this is like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You're like Uncle Joe. You can't get up until somebody has a golden ticket. Then all of a sudden you spring to your feet and go on a magical adventure and drink fizzy lifting drinks. You can't, you can't get up and help me. But that's the point of the story. It's not that he can't, it's that he doesn't want to. That's the point. Jesus is making a joke. It's not that he can't, it's that he doesn't want to. So what is the thing that changes a can't into an am? What's the thing that changes a I can't help you into a I am helping you? What is the thing in a request that changes I can't do that into I am doing that? When you're praying to God and asking him the things that are on your heart, for the people that you wanna see saved, for the ministries that you wanna see grow, for the bitternesses and wounds that you want to see healed, what is the thing that changes an I can't into an I am doing this? Jesus tells you, look at the next verse. I tell you though, he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, of course not. Yet because of his, what does it say there? Because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Impudence is a negative word in Greek, and it's a negative word in English. It is a word that means an unreasonable unwillingness to stop asking for something. That's what that word means. And Jesus says here, what is the thing that gets the friend to give the dorky friend a bunch of bread at midnight? The fact that he know I know this guy, this this friggin' guy, he is not gonna stop knocking. We are never gonna get to sleep. That's impudence. And Jesus invites a negative characteristic in your prayers to God. He says, the thing that moves the dial isn't how good you've been, isn't how little uh, alcohol you've consumed, isn't how kind you've been with weird thoughts on the inside that you're stressed out about. It isn't that. It's the fact that you have an unreasonable unwillingness to give up. It's the fact that you will not stop seeking and knocking. And that's what Jesus says next. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Yes, to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened to them. We got any Breaking Bad fans in the room? I am the one who knocks. Yeah, no, I haven't seen the show because I'm a Christian pastor. Uh, but I did hear that it was entertaining, and I'll pray for your repentance for having watched a show, that show. I saw who nodded, so we'll be writing that down and giving that to my brother. Um, yeah. This is the secret. Impudence is the secret. Jesus is telling you how it really works. Does that mean God's a vending machine and you can pray to God and if you're annoying enough, he'll give you what you want? No, this is, the, this is the mystical mystery in the center of it all. When you keep praying for something, God either changes his mind or he changes yours. God either changes, and he does. 
And I know some theologians don't believe that. God does change his mind. He changes his mind in Amos. He changes his mind with Abraham. He changes his mind multiple times. So if you have something on your heart, there is no reason why you should not stop praying for it until God changes his mind or until he changes yours. You should not live with an incredible, uncomfortable thing in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. Keep praying. Fast. Ask. Seek. Knock. And he will answer. It might not be what you want, but it will be what you need. And if you pray with complete surrender, he will either... The God of the universe will either change his mind or he will change yours. Verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a snake? Hey, son, how was school? It was good, dad. That's great, slugger. Well, what are you thinking for dinner? I'm thinking fish, salmon. Ooh, that sounds good. I've got some salmon in the fridge. Let me go cook it up for you. Oh, thanks, Dad. This is going to be great. Oh, that smells so good. Oh, man, I can't wait to get my omega-3s from this delicious salmon. Here, son, here's dinner. Oh, my God. Oh, it's a literal snake. It's biting me. I am dying of poisonous venom. Hello, police. Yes, I need you to come to my house right away. My dad served me a snake for dinner, a live snake instead of fish, and it bit me, and I am now dying to death right now. Do you know what the cop would say? What kind of a father would give that to his son? Or, Jesus says, if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Hey, son, good morning. <laughs> nice to see you. How'd you sleep? I slept well, Dad. Thanks. How did the whole snake bite thing turn out? It turned out good. The cops said they couldn't pursue the case because there wasn't enough evidence. I am hungry, though, Dad. Oh, that's great. What are you thinking for breakfast? I'm thinking eggs. Let's go classic on it. Fantastic, son. Let me whip up a few of those for you. Here you go, son. Oh, my God. It's a scorpion. It's stinging me in the face and body. Oh, man. I'm going to die again. Hello, police? Yeah, it's me again. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Same thing. No, not a snake this time. It's a literal scorpion. You guys don't even know how scary scorpions actually are either. I'm from Phoenix, and uh, I had only been there for three days, and I was sitting in my office talking to a guy, actually the same guy that prayed Dad God, and out of my light in my office, a scorpion fell on the couch, and he's a native Phoenix guy, and he smashed it and then took it out, and I was like, is that a thing? I'm only used to looking for enemies horizontally. Do I need to start looking vertically for enemies as well? This is why Jesus describes demons as like scorpions in the New Testament. He gets it. <laughs> what kind of father, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Who would do that? Nobody. 
Nobody. Why? Because we love our kids. Do you love your kids more than God loves you? Certainly not. So if you are asking for a good thing repeatedly with faith and surrender, would God not give it to you? Would he give you something good? The text says, how much more so will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I was teaching on this at a Bible study I was teaching and I invited people to consider the idea that you can pray and ask for the Holy Spirit. And um, I asked the people in the room to raise their hands for who had never done that in a room full of Christians and, and several hundred people raised their hand. And I thought, wow, that's really too bad. You can pray and ask for the Holy Spirit every day. I certainly do. I, I don't have what I need in my mind and body to live the Christian life or anything even close to it. And God says, as the finish to this story, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so I wonder if there is something that you stopped praying for. For some, maybe it's a, a physical healing. For some, maybe it's relief from a mental illness. For some, it is a healing from a, a divorce or someone left and those pains are real, and they run deep. And God doesn't want you to live with those things. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And when you develop a holy discontentment for anything less than that and continue to ask for it, it's really a beautiful thing. I have had, uh, pro I've had problems with mental illness since I was a kid, and I didn't always know how to verbalize those things because it's kind of like a confusing thing to talk about, you know, with your, with your parents. And if you are uh, a Christian or if you grew up a Christian, oftentimes it, it, it jumps into different categories, you know, like pray, pray it away, um, act like you don't, act like you're fine, or like um, uh, it's, it's a, exclusively the result of sin or something like that. And so you get stuck in like one of these hallways, you know, and if you see one of these awful Christian counselors, um, then you just, they kind of just like push you further into the hole that you're trying to get out of, you know, cause you're just like, I'm depressed. And they're like, no, you're sinning. And you're like, ah, I am a sinner. I don't think that's this. Do you know what I mean? And so I prayed for a long time to be freed from some of the things that I felt stuck in. And I remember I was praying to um, God about this and I was just like, I don't wanna feel like this anymore. I don't wanna be like this. And I don't know if God has some impudence meter up in heaven and I finally reached it or if God saw something in me or if God was always gonna do it whether I prayed it or not or I don't know what happened. All I know is that after a long, long time of praying, God said to me, just thank me. And that was it. And God was teaching me that every time I was feeling anxious, 
when I was choosing to try to defeat that anxiety in my body, I was multiplying it. But when I choose to focus my attention on thanking him, it would relieve the tension that I was feeling. And it doesn't really make sense, except that it like really works, you know? And I wonder if there's something for you on the other side of picking up an old prayer that you've left, let go. I wonder what grace God wants to give you on the other side of impudence and faith. I do, I wonder. Um, let's pray together. God, we thank you for today. We bless the name of Jesus in this place. We love you in this place, God. We exalt you in this place. Jesus, this is your house. We are here for you. If we leave the same, but you leave blessed, we will be grateful. We are not here to get things. This isn't about us. We are here to bless the name of Jesus. We are here to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to the living God. And I pray for anyone here who's let go of a prayer because it's too painful, and I pray for anyone here who had something come to mind when I was talking, and the idea of picking up that prayer again was so painful because they've become convinced that you said no. And I pray for that person and that incredibly real pain that's in their life, that's in their body right now. I pray that you would give them the strength and courage to reach the resolution of faith that you have promised that they would continue to pray until you've changed your mind or until you changed theirs. I pray that you would bring uh, a supernatural comfort to people in pain that they've experienced, pain that they still are experiencing. I pray that you would bring a supernatural solution to people struggling with mental health problems. I pray that you would bring a supernatural healing to people struggling with physical problems. We would have no problem believing that you healed someone today, and we would give you all the glory in this place. And so I pray for that. I also want to pray a prayer of faith over this church. We thank you for this place, God. It really is good news. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you've put here. Thank you for Luke and Kristen. Thank you for how much they love, how selflessly they serve. Thank you for their kids. I pray that you would bless and multiply joy in them. I pray every moment that they seek others, which is constantly, you would reward them with a multiplied internal joy that can't be explained, can't be counted or measured, and cannot stop flowing from the innermost parts of who they are. I also pray a prayer of blessing over this church. God, I pray that they'd have to buy more chairs God, I pray that you would bring the lost and the hurting into this place where people can find love and redemption and hope in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would bring people who are caught up in the, the cultural river of death and they would find hope and redemption in completely repenting from who they are in this place. I pray that you would bless and multiply good news in the neighborhood and I pray that it would be a testament to how amazing you are and I pray that people who would come into this place would say, man, God is really good, and he is really present, and he does really hear me, and he does really see me, and he has answered my prayers because I chose to pray with impudence. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.